How many of you are grateful that you belong to a praying church? A praying church, how important it is to pray. We're going to talk this morning about being a praying church from the book of Acts. There's a phenomenal example in Acts 12 of how the church prayed and the miracles that took place. And we realized that God just didn't want that first church to be a praying church, but every body of believers in every generation. And we're grateful here at Faith Chapel having a great uh, history of prayer. How many of you have ever asked this church to pray for you when you had a need or a problem? How many of you know that it's important, as surely as we want the church to pray, that we need to be ready to pray for others? Please turn with me to Acts, the 12th chapter, because we're going to talk about being a praying church this morning. That's a special calling, a special challenge. You remember when Jesus cleansed the temple, he said, my father's house shall be a house of recreation. No, a house of academic study. No, a house of prayer is what he said, because prayer is about our communication with God as we seek His face. And here we see the New Testament church, probably about 10 years after the resurrection, really finding their way in terms of of being a a force in the community through their praying. And we see that uh, Peter got himself in quite a predicament, and it was through the prayer of the church that he was miraculously delivered. Verse 5 is our key verse, which simply says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Wow. Peter went to prison. Herod, who had just murdered James, the brother of John, and snatched Peter, put him in prison, was planning to make him a public spectacle and to be executed as well. But God had different plans. Through the intercessory prayer of that church, Peter was miraculously delivered. This is a wonderful, dramatic story, and I want us to read it beginning with verse 1 of chapter 12. So follow along in your Bible and see how important a praying church was in this situation. Chapter 12, verse 1, book of Acts. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guards by four squads of four soldiers each, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea of what the angel was doing, what was really happening. 
He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were, what? Praying. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. And in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Peter certainly was grateful for a praying church because it was the church that prayed him miraculously out of prison. It's important to be a praying church and it's a great blessing to have a church that prays standing with you. You know, my family came into Faith Chapel in the mid-1950s because Faith Chapel was a praying church. My little brother uh, went into a coma at two and a half years of age, and the doctors didn't expect him to live. And my mother had just started attending Faith Chapel. And as the prayer band took up my brother as a special prayer request, began to pray for him and visited at the hospital and prayed for him 24 hours a day. My parents were so worried and troubled about his health because the doctors really didn't expect him to make it. And suddenly he miraculously recovered from his <clears throat> coma and was completely healed. The doctors thought he had been in the coma so long they feared brain damage. But they examined him and they couldn't understand it, but there was no brain damage. He was completely well. Let me tell you, my family was glad that they landed in a praying church. I think if they had landed someplace else, perhaps the prayer was not as fervent. If my brother would even be alive today. Do I really believe that there is a specific connection between the prayers of this church and my brother's healing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you, it transformed our family as we believed that God was still doing miracles in answer to prayer. Now, who will be the next family among us that's in a crisis? I don't know. I hope it's not you. I hope it's not your family and your loved ones, but it could be. And whoever it is, we know that the crises will come and that we need to pray. We must pray. Who will pray if we can't turn to our own church family to pray? Oh, what a blessing. What a privilege. 
What a responsibility. We dare not neglect this great calling as a church. How wonderful that this church, Faith Chapel, from the very beginning had a vision for prayer, had a call to prayer. And I shared a couple of weeks ago how during World War II, it was this church that prayed and placed stars representing soldiers who went off to war and prayed. And I thought most of them came back. Guess what? All of them came back safe. We're not killed through the prayers of this congregation. And after World War II, the prayer continued. The congregation thought, well, there's no reason to stop praying. I mean, the war is over, but we can still pray. The spiritual war continues. And it was uh, Sister Daw who would stand behind this pulpit every Sunday night and say, who will take from 5 until 6 in the morning? Who will take from 6 until 7 in the morning? Who will take from 7 to 8 in the morning? And went through the whole clock until every hour was filled by a prayer warrior who said, I will pray so that the prayer band will not be broken. And so they prayed. They prayed for my family, and there are many others here who were prayed for by that group. And I think about, you know, those were special times, and there was a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a special ministry that developed in this church, and we're grateful for that. And we are facing challenging new times, and guess what? We need prayer as much as ever. Don't you agree? God's calling for us to be a, a praying church is, is just as real today as it ever was. And as new families have joined in to make this their home church, we realize God wants to recover that vision for prayer. He wants us to be a praying church in these last days. You know, uh, I read a little devotional book <clears throat> called The Kneeling Christian. No one even knows who wrote it. It was written anonymously by some believer who had some insights on prayer that have been uh, remembered through this wonderful little devotional book that's, uh, that's widely read. But one of the quotes from that book that has really stayed with me is simply this. Hear this. Satan laughs at our plans, scoffs at our promises and commitments, but he trembles when we pray. Do we believe that? I've come to realize by now that I'm no match for Satan's devices. How about you? He's got me way outsmarted, way before I even start. But it's only by praying that the power of God truly, truly comes into place in such a way that Satan and all of his devices are destroyed. It was Jack Hayford who <clears throat> wrote a book on prayer and <clears throat> in the introduction he said, Suddenly I realized, hear this, that prayer was invasion of the impossible. What is impossible? We cannot understand. We cannot see how it is possible. That thing which is impossible becomes possible through prayer. Why would we not want to invade the impossible in order to see the kingdom of God realized? <clears throat> well... As we look at this example of a praying church, I want us to notice several important things. <clears throat> and as our time is uh, <clears throat> running out this morning, let me present these five very important factors about a praying church. And uh, we'll continue this. I don't want to rush this message, but make sure that we cover all this uh, very important uh, material. First of all, 
What is it about a praying church? What do we learn from this church that prayed for Peter? Now, get the picture here. Herod, in his uh, evil scheme, already killed James, wants to kill Peter, throws him into prison, puts 16 guards in charge of him so he can't possibly escape. That's right, 16 guards with him night and day, chained to him, watching him, keeping him safe lest there would be some type of disruption. Perhaps his friends would come and try to, to uh, get him free. Whatever. Anyway, there's Peter in the middle of the night because of the prayer of his church, visited by an angel. And as the angel appears, the guards just fall into a deeper sleep and the chains fall off of Peter's hands. He thinks he's seeing a vision. And the angel tells him, get dressed and leads him out of the prison. And as Peter still thinks he's in a vision, and there he is outside of the prison, the, the, the iron gate of the prison opened miraculously, and he walked through it, and there he is in the streets of the city, and the angel, you know, the, the angel had his job and fulfilled it and wasn't needed anymore, and so he disappeared, and then Peter realized what had actually happened, and he makes his way back <clears throat> to Mary's home. And there the people had gathered, and they were praying, and they were praying earnestly for Peter. And here this uh, delightful story that, that we see recorded. And isn't it wonderful how the Holy Spirit gave us this picture? of Here this little girl wrote, a, here's a knocking at the door. And so she rushes out, and she sees, she realizes that it's Peter because she hears his voice, and she runs back, and she tells all these prayer warriors that Peter's at the door. And they're saying, be quiet, we're praying for Peter. <laughs> Be quiet. Don't interrupt us. And as she persists, they realize something must be happening. And indeed, it was Peter. And he came in. And they were astonished. Isn't it something that they're praying fervently, earnestly for Peter to be delivered from prison. And there he is in answer to prayer. And they're astonished that his prayer is answered. I've had that experience. How about you? As much as I really think that I believe that God is going to answer my prayer, when he does... When he moves supernaturally, there's a surprise factor involved in that. And we realize, well, I believe that God would answer our prayer, but look what has happened. And we praise God and we thank him. And that's exactly what took place. And so they were astonished. Peter explained what had happened. And then we see that the church was greatly encouraged. And uh, it was the very next day that... God began to follow through. and Isn't it interesting that there was the miracle of Peter's release. Peter was delivered from Herod, and then God dealt with Herod with his judgment. And uh, we see here at the end of the chapter that Herod lost his life. Uh, the disease says the worms overtook him. And what a terrible death he experienced because he blasphemed God. Well, five things we learn about a praying church, and I want to share them with you, and I'm going to come back and go into detail. Write these down because Faith Chapel needs to know that this is what being a praying church is all about. Number one, a praying church, okay, what do we need to, 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 to be to be a praying church? Well, we need to pray. <laughs> That's the obvious thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers, in the upper room, it says they were in all in one accord and in one place, and they were praying. The church came together and prayed. Number two, 
to be a praying church, we need to pray for our leaders. Acts 12.5 says that they prayed for Peter when he was in prison. And we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our missionaries. We need to pray for all that are doing the work of the gospel because they are in great spiritual responsibility and the importance of making sure that they're covered in prayer. So very, very important. Number three, I love this one. To be a praying church, we need to pray for miracles. Can I say that again? We need to pray for miracles. How many of you believe in miracles? Should we be praying for them? Absolutely. Specifically, that God would perform miracles to confirm His Word. Miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance, miracles of provision, miracles of guidance. And we think about, you know, that could add some excitement to the prayer meeting, right? If we realize, you know what? We can ask God for miracles tonight. Let's do it. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will show you great and wonderful things that you don't understand. Hallelujah. But we need to call. Number four, to be a praying church, we need to pray in unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5 says that we are one body, that we are one spirit. We need to pray in the unity of the Holy Spirit. If two will agree on anything, it shall be done. You know, it's very difficult for the church to come into the fullness of its power in intercessory prayer when there's division, when there's contention, where there are competing visions and plans and people aren't getting along. All oh, that we would come together in the unity of the Spirit and realize God wants to manifest His power through a church that's in full unity. And then number five, to be a praying church, we need to pray how? We need to pray in the Spirit, and we need to pray with understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, very important scripture that says that we pray as the Holy Spirit enables us to pray, where we don't really understand all of the mysteries behind the situation that we're praying about. Therefore, it's important that we pray in the Spirit, and then we pray with our understanding. And as we pray in the Spirit, our understanding increases. As we pray in our understanding, we realize the need to pray in the Spirit. We realize that when we're praying, we're not just sharing our thoughts and feelings and nice words and phrases, but we really are interceding as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. Have you ever started out praying a certain way, and then as you're praying, you realize that God is directing you to pray a totally different way than when you started? Absolutely. That's how the Holy Spirit shows us how to pray and enables us to pray. Well, we want to continue with this. Let me summarize this morning and just say, praise God. He's called us to be a praying church. We have a great heritage as a praying church. He's calling us to step up this year to be the praying church that He wants us to be in this time and season. You know what? God wants us to be a praying church in these last days to take a stand and to have as great a mission of as a praying church as this church ever had in the past. I believe that our greatest days are ahead. How about you? And our greatest prayers are in the future as God shows us how to pray as we ought to pray. You know, it's Andrew Murray in his book about 
called Waiting on God. He talks about the sin of prayerlessness. And he says, there's no cure for the sin of prayerlessness but repentance. Prayerlessness is about unbelief. It's about other priorities that take hold of our lives. It's about affections and interests that are misplaced. How important it is for us to repent of our prayerlessness and ask God to help us to return, to find a, a place, a relationship, an intimate prayer where we realize that this really is His purpose for us. Lord, we thank You this morning for reminding us about the importance of being a praying church. Help us even this morning, O oh God, to rededicate ourselves, so oh God, to personal prayer and to corporate prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this time together this morning. Help us not to leave without responding to your spirit as you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We are so grateful, oh God, so grateful for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. So grateful for your invitation to call upon you, oh God. Lord, you want to show us great and wonderful things beyond our understanding, oh God. You want us to come in faith, oh God. Lord, you say in your word, Lord, that it's impossible to please you without faith, but that we must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Lord, Lord, we come before you in faith this morning and we ask you for miracles. Lord, we have loved ones who need miracles of healing this morning, miracles of salvation, deliverance, oh God, provision. Lord, you know the need. Help us, oh God, in faith to intercede and to pray, oh God. Lord, we ask you to melt hard hearts this morning. We ask you, O oh God, to give us insight to pray as we ought to pray. Lead us by your Spirit, O oh God. We thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. We thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. Let's just wait upon the Lord this morning, just for a few minutes, just to submit to him, just to honor him, to yield to him. This is pleasing to God. This is good. Lord, we thank you that we can be, that we are a praying church. And we thank you, God, for showing us how to pray. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let me mention this morning, if you're not sure of your relationship with Jesus Christ in terms of your eternal salvation, please take your need seriously. We want to talk with you about, about your soul. I want to pray with you that you can be forgiven of your sins and know that your name is in the book of life. And so please don't leave this morning without letting us know and we'll be glad to pray with you and help you.